Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning and welcome. You're listening to A Day of Prayer's Morning Bible Study. My name is Lynn Charles and we're so glad you could join us. But before we begin, let us open up in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for today, Lord. We just thank you for the joy that you have placed inside of our lives, Lord. That you have placed only good, Lord, and that you have only given us your best, Lord. Lord, we also just thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit, Lord, and that you encourage us to go deeper with you, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you that we have the privilege and the opportunity to have a relationship with you, Lord. We just thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And amen. Well, good morning and welcome, everyone. So glad to have you with us and to get into the word together so we can grow and develop unshakable faith in our Lord and Savior. So this morning we are in chapter 12, covering verses 1 through 11. So whether you're joining us for the first time or you're rejoining us, I want to encourage you to pause the episode and just take the opportunity to read through that section of scripture, making it easier to follow along in the discussion. Amen? Amen. All right. And at this time, the floor is open to give each of you the opportunity to share what Holy Spirit is speaking and ministering to you and to ask any questions that you have. So who'd like to begin? I will. All right, Layla. Something interesting that the Lord had shown me even in my younger years, but but being able to come back and read it again when it was talking about the discipline of the Lord, it doesn't, Mommy, as she said in a previous episode, it isn't just in the form of spankings, but the um, <laughs> the lifestyle, a, a lifestyle of discipline, which means you keep yourself from engaging in certain activities that are harmful for you. There's a difference when someone is restraining you and a difference And between you restraining yourself, you not allowing yourself to do things you know is wrong, whether anybody sees you or not. And that's being a disciple of God. That's being disciplined by the Lord. Nobody had to wrangle Jesus and tell him not to um, curse or swear or steal or lie or cheat. He restrained himself. And that's also why when we see him in in the gospels, when he told his disciples that the ruler of the world was coming, but he had nothing in him as in the adversary had nothing in Jesus because Jesus restrained himself. And it wasn't like he was trying to choke down the desire or anything of the sort, but he made sure that he stayed on the path and he held himself accountable into the standard. And that's important for building faith. If you're unwilling to be held accountable, if you're unwilling to hold yourself accountable, your faith will not grow because you'll always make excuses for you to, slack off for you to give less than your best for you to deviate and go your own way make your own path use your own plan and then when you really need the faith as we mentioned it with daniel when you really need the faith there's nothing for you to draw on nothing good i should say nothing good for you to draw on because you sowed nothing good and the good that was sown by the father because everybody's each person is given a measure of faith you let that fall into disrepair and i've i as i mentioned beforehand i've seen that in my own life i wasn't actively working on my faith and i saw it regress it doesn't just stay where it is and it certainly doesn't increase unless by your diligent effort to increase it 
But should you fail in increasing it, it will, in fact, be stolen away. That's what Jesus meant when he was talking about the parable of the sower. There was a bird in um, Mark's account that came and swooped down on the seed and swallowed it whole and flew off to the next field to get them. And then there were weeds that choked them. And then there was the sun that beat on them and burned them to a crisp. That represents us giving up what God, our place of authority and faith that God has given us to the adversary to run ruckshot and do what he wants to. So when it comes to building the unshakable faith and building and maintaining a lifestyle of trustworthiness before the Lord, it requires diligent effort. It requires discipline. Yes, that that is in the form of correction. Should you step out of line, the Lord does come and says okay son or daughter you you missed me here you did great in these points but let's work on this so that you don't fall in the same trap five yards down the road because that would mean that the lord was setting us up for failure and we know he doesn't do that he only sets us up for success we Mm -hmm. sabotage ourselves so that we fail and that's that's the only time that occurs so living that that disciplined life we hold ourselves to the standard regardless of who's around, who's watching or who isn't watching. Because even when it looks like no natural eyes are looking at you, the father always sees because his eyes are going to and fro throughout the entire earth to see who he can show himself strong. And while he's looking for faithfulness, he also sees the unfaithfulness. That's not hidden from his sight. And it it doesn't just go away because you wish it and you want it to. You have to make diligent strides. I have to make diligent strides to live up to the standard that the Lord Jesus set. And there is no reason, no excuse that I could give to justify wrongdoing. There's no justification for anybody to do wrongdoing because the Lord has already paved the way, made the way for forgiveness and righteous living. And if it's not being followed, it's because we choose not to do it. So for faith, you have to choose to walk and live in faith and continue in it. Nobody can force it on you. Nobody can force you into it. You can't force anybody else into it. The Lord isn't going to do it. It has to solely be your choice and your diligent effort to go forward. And when you do, the Holy Spirit and the, and the, the Trinity will back you up. They will help you. They will guide you. They will teach you. They will lead you. But you're doing the work. You're, you have to walk it out for you because the faith saves you, not the father. The father doesn't need to be saved. He's, he's never needed to be saved. It's us that need to come into alignment and finish this course all the way to the end till the Lord is satisfied, not when we think it's good enough. Because usually I found in my own life when I thought something was good enough, it wasn't really good at all. <laughs> you can be assured that it's not. Okay. <laughs> Amen. As you were speaking, Leo, the Lord was reminding me, and you mentioned about how Jesus wasn't um, forcing down his desires, and that's something that as humans we often confuse. We think as long as we don't act on what we want to do, it's all right. It's, it's just as good. As long as we don't physically partake in the sin, it's just as um, it's all right. We're still righteous. And I'd like to take us to Matthew. Um, mm-hmm. I believe it is chapter 5. Uh-huh. Ah, yes. And we'll just start inside of 21 and probably read down to verse 30. This is Matthew 5, verses 21 through 30. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. 
But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hands you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. <clears throat> Assuredly, I say to you, there will be, you will by no means get out there until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And that really just sums up exactly what the Lord wants from us. He doesn't want us to try to pretend holy and pious mm -hmm. and restrain ourselves in that degree, but he wants us to have a heart that is holy to him and a mind that's holy to him as well. That was the difference. The Pharisees tried to appear clean on the outside, but on the inside they dwelt and lived among abominations that they would, quote unquote, they would commit if they were given the opportunity Whereas Jesus lived a lifestyle of it didn't matter if the opportunity came up or not. He was not going to take it. But as humans, we just think that as long as I can have these desires and these sinful things inside my life, as long as I don't act on it, it's just as good the Lord will forgive me later on and I'll continue to be righteous. But that's exactly what led to um, like Gideon in the great heroes of faith. That's what led to him, his falling away was because as soon as the desire came, the opportunity came up for him to make another God, he was all over it. He had nothing to restrain himself. He had no sense of morals in himself. Meaning that that's how the Lord explained it to me, is that we have to have our own sense of the value of the Lord. The Lord's mm -hmm. not going to say, here's my value, and this is why you should be doing it. He's not going to come down to explain like that. Not even Jesus did that in his earthly ministry. He didn't always list out this is why you should be coming to me because you're going to burn you're going to perish and all these wicked things are going to happen to you along the way he just said mm -hmm. i'm giving you the option you choose what you choose mm -hmm. and that's how we I should recommend live. i strongly recommend that you choose wisely and correctly and he did give us the choice mm -hmm. Go ahead. yes mommy mm -hmm. so it was up to us to hold ourselves to the standard even jesus's disciples he didn't grab peter by the ears and say you're not going back to fishing you're going to be a my apostle. He didn't do any of that. Mm -hmm. He allowed Peter to go do what he wanted, and then he, Peter came back. It was Peter himself who had to come back, meaning that his heart had to be open to coming back to the Lord. The Lord wasn't forcing him. But he had to make that decision that how much the Lord was valuable to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, was as you're speaking, the Lord was also reminding me of how with God chastening us, we... As mommy, you said it. We also we more so think of it as discipline, but also it's a teaching process. Mm -hmm. The only way Jesus could do that is because God taught him. Mm -hmm. He wasn't basing it on his own, as in he wasn't doing it out of his own strength, per se. But it was because God taught him directly, mm -hmm. and he applied it. Mm -hmm. And the same applies for us. The way we do that is first by coming to God for everything that we need. And applying it completely to our lives and not going, especially inside my own life, I've seen this several times. Whenever, for example, mommy or dad would try to teach me, I more so thought of it as 
I did something wrong, and I was getting in trouble, when actually it was the teaching process so that I could grow completely mm-hmm. and be well-rounded. Amen to that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And yes, as you were saying, each of you has said, discipline takes what form first? Talking. Okay. It's not always, if you will, spankings or punishment or being grounded or whatever, whatever takes place, right? It first begins with discussion, right? Yes. Yes. And in the discussion, and the conversation is probably going to be more one way, right? Uh, especially with our Heavenly Father towards us, right? He doesn't need our opinion. He's the one educating us, not the other way around. He's the one correcting our behavior. He's perfect. He has no need for anyone to correct him or to counsel him or anything of that nature, right? We yes. need to get ourselves in line or in alignment, humble ourselves and come into alignment with his plan, purpose, his ways, mm-hmm. his will, his covenant, and the destiny track he has for your life. You have to do mm-hmm. that for you. Amen. Amen. Um, the, the word discipline does include instruction or chastening includes instruction mm-hmm. as well. And when you think about all this, we're really talking about the love of God, the love of the Father. And for humans, typically we attribute love to just affection niceties and pleasantries. You only do the things that I want to do when I want to do them. And you only say what I want to hear when I'm ready to hear it. And when I I want to hear it. Exactly. And that is not the love of Jesus Christ. It's not the love of God. The love of God involves affection. Absolutely. And it involves correction, discipline, training, instruction, counsel, protection, guidance. Everything that's needed is included in incorporated, encompassed in the love of God. That's why it's perfect. It does everything that's needed at the time that it's needed. And, um, you know, we've looked through Proverbs and, um, you know, in your, your private time, if, if the Lord treated us like someone that he did not love, he would not invest in our instruction or invest in our correction or invest in mm-hmm. a, having affection and bestowing that upon us. He wouldn't invest in any of those things. Or an encouragement because in, in the instruction, the, uh, the discipline style instruction mm-hmm. becomes, yes, an admonishment or rebuke, all those other things. But as you were saying, teaching, wisdom, knowledge, all is being passed on so it can be applied in case you didn't know or were in ignorance concerning what was happening. Mm-hmm. Now there's there's no excuse. Now you fully know. Mm-hmm. And there's an exhortation and an encouragement of, now that you know this, apply it to your life. Absolutely. And with with receiving his love and his role as our father, it also positions us to be placed or led to the path of life. Because the person who will not receive correction is illegitimate. So you don't get inside information. You don't get insight to how do you navigate this situation? How do you prevail over it? How do you triumph here? How do you escape this um, pressure that's coming towards you? Why? Because you won't listen because you don't belong to him because he has no right to speak into your life. He, you know, there's, there's no relationship there, but for those that are his, every time he comes and, you know, like if you look in revelation, you see an, an example of his fathering, he says, this is what you're doing, right? Here's what you're doing wrong. 
And this is, and he lets them know what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong, the gravity of where they are and how it can potentially affect them, what course they're actually on, even though they don't realize it. And he tells them how to correct themselves. He gives them the corrective action so that they can escape this time of testing or drawing away that they're presently under. Um, Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter 10 says that he provides a way of escape. There's no temptation that's taken as except what's common to man. And with every temptation, he provides an escape so that we're able to bear under it. What that means is not that we can just struggle through it, but that we can find that off ramp to where that highway, that path is leading us. And we can find safety, protection, and deliverance to the ultimate salvation, which would be going to heaven. But that path is laid here in our decisions on the earth. There's no purgatory. There's no in-between time. Once you put off your flesh and it's permanent, unless the Lord has you raised from the dead, once you put off that flesh and it's a, the permanent state, your decisions are done. They're made and they're over. Now, God is a gracious God, but the lifetime is the time that is designed for choosing. He can extend life, even if it's just for a breath, for you to finish asking God for forgiveness or whatever it is. The Lord is gracious and he's mighty. But once you put off your, your tent, your earthly tent, decision time is over. Yes, mommy. So just realizing how much of it is of a blessing for God to choose us and to place us on paths that are uncomfortable to our flesh. Because really that's what most people don't like about discipline and chastening is that it's uncomfortable. Right? Yes. <laughs> Hello? Yes. Yeah, I didn't like it. And even, sure. you know, even now I have to, when the Lord leads me in a way that I'm going, Lord, but I was expecting gumdrops and rainbows <laughs> over here. And that don't look like gumdrops and rainbows. That doesn't feel like gumdrops and rainbows. Is it really that I'm being hurt or harmed? No, it's just that it's uncomfortable. Mm. Even in my um, journeys of faith where my faith has to persevere beyond the moment and it feels like time is going by, it feels like, you know, things, this, that, and the other. And really, what am I saying? I'm uncomfortable in this place, Lord, and I would like it to be over quickly. However, then the Lord comes in like, mm, Kamisha, and I'm like, okay, Jesus, okay, we can go, we can do it. <laughs> Right. I'm not as valiant as the Messiah just yet, but I'm working no, on we're, it. We're yes, working on it. I can't <laughs> say striving because it says he's striving. Know that he's God. So there's a, a element of just trusting in him. Right. It was just it's faith. And, so the and, faith has to be in motion for and active so you can mm-hmm. be perfected. But you have to be willing to endure. Amen. Go through the process and realize that discomfort is going to be there. That's a part of what he's describing is it's going to be uncomfortable on the path that God has for you. But it's easier than suffering loss and shipwreck as a result of your your life being off course or your faith being shipwrecked, right? Where you leave the faith in your walk in Jesus Christ because you're offended with him and the path and the plan that he's laid out for you. The Apostle Paul is someone who got to experience that. He thought, okay, he got word from the Lord, you're going to minister in Rome before kings. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't necessarily include going to prison and being shipwrecked and snake bit and beaten head and left for dead and stoned and all those kind of things. I, I assure you, if you asked, if you had the opportunity to ask Paul and you asked him if he thought that's what it was going to look like, I don't believe he would have would have thought that until he received the word of the Lord 
of this is what it's supposed to look like. And I'm or, saying he didn't understand that until the prophets kept coming. That's hey, it. look at this belt around. Amen. This is what's going to happen to you. Be forewarned. And God is gracious to explain that to us. But also we see it here in the word. God's path mm-hmm. is uncomfortable to our flesh. It's not bad. It's not wrong. It's not harmful. It's the opposite of those things. But it is going to be uncomfortable to our flesh. And it's going to be drastically different than how the world is operating. Because the world is always looking for a shortcut. They're, and they're living in or pleasures an, an alternate way. to their flesh. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can go back even all the way to the Tower of Babel. And, and what were they doing? They were looking for an alternate route to the same blessings and benefits. And there is not one. Without God. Yeah. Nope. There's no so, second way. So we're going to pause there for today. And with that, can I get a volunteer to close out in prayer, please? I will. All right. LaCharles? Lord, we just thank you, Lord, that you have set out the correct path, Lord, that you have led us to what is good, Lord, and inside your perfect will, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you that you've given us the strength to continue inside of it, Lord, that you have already provided everything that we need, Lord, and that you have given it to us in abundance, Lord. Lord, we also just thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit, Lord, who gives us wisdom on how to go about the path, Lord, how to go about the things that you have set before us, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And amen. Well, we love you. God bless you. And have a wonderful day. Want to know more about a day of prayer? Sign up for our newsletter where you'll get the latest updates on the ministry, inspiring messages, and coupon codes for the merch shop. Visit our website, adayofprayer.org. Click on Connect in the menu bar and complete the form. Be sure to check the box that says subscribe. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.